You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. This is a special day. Not because it's the final round of the Masters in Augusta. Not because Tiger Woods made his comeback appearance this week at the Augusta National, but because it's Palm Sunday. It's the first day of Holy Week. And we will celebrate this week and into next Sunday with the church around the world, the resurrection of Jesus. But this particular day is known as Palm Sunday, and so if you got here a little bit early today because you didn't know we were having a 10 o'clock service, then uh, we apologize, but we're glad that you're here. For some of you, you got here on time, although you thought you were coming to a 9.30 service. (laughs) Joke's on you. Uh, Some of you uh, maybe will show up a little bit later thinking there's an 11.15 service, so you'll get here just in time for maybe at the end of the message in the last song. But uh, we are glad that you are here today to celebrate Palm Sunday with us. And the gospel writers tell us there was a large crowd gathered that day. They were spreading out palm branches on the road into Jerusalem, shouting with excitement, Hosanna, Hosanna. But not everybody was happy about this because this welcome was a problem for the Pharisees. Hosanna or blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord is what that means. And this exclamatory phrase was an issue because it was meant for a real king. It was meant for Israel's savior. It was meant for the Messiah. It was a phrase found in the Hebrew scriptures actually going all the way back to Psalm 118. And it was really an echo of that psalm which was declaring the victory of the Lord. The Lord's victory. And there was nothing victorious about a common guy on a donkey. So the Pharisees had a problem. That's why the, they were saying, Jesus, you've got to stop this madness. Do you hear what they're saying? Do you hear what they're crying out? They think you're the Messiah. They think you're the one that's come to save us. you got to tell them to shut up. Of course, Jesus is the Messiah. He had come to Jerusalem to save his people, but there was a problem with that as well. Jesus was in tears because he knew the way they wanted victory and the way victory was going to come was very, very different. Salvation was what everybody wanted. That's why they were crying out, blessed is he who comes, the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They wanted salvation, but the way Jesus was going to bring salvation was going to be an issue. The people wanted salvation and success. And if we're honest, that's what we still want today. Which means they wanted the Messiah to march into the city, kick the Romans in the teeth, and expel them out of Jerusalem. They wanted to be free from Gentile oppression, and they expected it the same way that it may be come in the past. They expected it to come by force, or threats, or plagues, or maybe even a split sea again. But they just expected power, and they expected the enemy to be thwarted. But history is sometimes meant just to remind, not repeat. 
As a matter of fact, a lot of times, as we still say today, it is for the very purpose of reminding us so that it doesn't repeat. They didn't need a repetition of what had happened in the past. They needed a new way to be saved. So what they ended up getting, what they wanted, and yet what they ended up getting was a common carpenter riding into town, not on a noble steed, but the colt of an ass. They got a bloodied Nazarene, a man in Roman custody rejected by his own leader, standing next to an infamous criminal named Barabbas. They wanted a matchless king, but instead they got a beaten blasphemer is what they thought. Sadly, blessed is he would soon become crucify him. And for this reason, there's something a little bit sickening about Palm Sunday. And maybe you think, like I have, man, that's awful. How could they have been so blind? And yet I think we should pause and ask, would we be any different today? I was just telling my wife Carla about a week ago, Nothing has changed in the hearts of men and women. We still want power, and we still want it politically because we think that's the only way. We still want power, and we still want control, and we still think victory looks like success. We think that's the only way to be victorious. And victory in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, is still something that is sometimes hard for us to see. What the world will celebrate next Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, was in no way the means by which anybody expected victory to come to the world. And yet it did. Because of Christ's victory on the cross, we can now be his victorious church in the earth, but we're still people of the cross. If you're like me, the ways and means to God's victory in our lives can be hard to see sometimes. This doesn't look victorious. This doesn't look like we're winning. We don't always walk in the victory that Christ died for. At least it seems like that. And maybe it even feels like that to you. I could say that it feels like that for me. Sometimes I don't really feel like I'm winning at life, so to speak. I feel like I'm getting punched in the face and I'm hoping somebody will ring the bell and, and get me to the next round. Last week we were finishing up Ephesians 4, which we're taking a little bit of a break from this week and next week from our series in Ephesians. We've not completed it, but thought today would be a good day and then of course next week with Easter where we'll take a little pause on that but last week in Ephesians 4 we talked about why there are times that we're winning it seems and then there are times that we're losing it feels like it's because there's two forces at work in the earth there are two kingdoms if you will as we talked about last week there's two fathers there's the good father who has good intentions for your life and there's the lying father who has bad intentions for your life. So let's give some example of the bad intentions that the enemy of your soul, the enemy of God wants for your life, that we have to have, that we need to have, that we've actually been given victory over through the cross. Just a few like fear, worry, anxiety, bitterness, envy, jealousy, and anger, as we even spoke about last week, that can lead to sin. And there's one main source for all of these sinful attitudes and these, these actions, if you will. It's a real enemy that comes at us with many different names. 
But here's the amazing truth. At the same time, there's many different names coming from the enemy. There's still also a Savior and Lord who has the one name that is above all of those names. Because of the cross, we now have victory over fear, worry, bitterness, envy, and anything else that would try to exalt itself against above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I preached something very similar to this over three years ago, and I entitled it Consider the Source. And I was studying the book of Mark this week, and I felt compelled to come back to this in some ways today. I also found it ironic not really ironic, but just the Holy Spirit confirming even for me today as I was kind of struggling through this week and many, like many of you, maybe not here out of town and uh, dealing with a lot of different things. My wife and my, uh, one of my sons was in Memphis with our ENC mission trip, which they just got back. Phenomenal job that they did. So excited for our students that were there. Uh, but it was a busy week, lots going on, not a normal schedule. And I was kind of struggling, like, where am I going to go? And I'm studying the book of Mark and I get into the past that I'm going to be in today. I was like, I think this is it. And then as the worship team was worshiping today, every song was just talking about the power of the name of Jesus, which is really where I'm coming to today, that we would cry out to him and declare who he is, that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but that we would believe it for our lives in the way that the enemy still tries to come against us. But we have to look at the source of what is feeding our lives. And in studying the book of Mark, I see this today because we have a lot of sources that we get information from today and not all of them are good. If all of our sources make us feel one way or if we are constantly angry, if we're constantly having to be outraged, if we're constantly having to be anxious or depressed, then maybe we need a new source. What are the sources or the wellsprings of your life? Again, we've got two sources, two supply lines, if you will, in this life, and the differences are stark and obvious. We covered the, this in depth last week. We talked about the father of lies, and we talked about the good heavenly father, because on one hand, there's a source which is a liar and a thief bent on bringing destruction of everything that God loves, which would be you. Then there's the supply line from the source that fosters this, this, if you will, supplies fear and worry and doubt and bitterness and anxiety, pride, regret, dissension, and ultimately the death of everything that honors God and that is good. That's what this source supplies. You can't get a good supply from a toxic source. You can't get refreshment from dirty water. And on the other hand, there's a source who is the good shepherd, as Jesus describes himself, that lays down his life for us instead of stealing our life from us. See the difference? Because he loves us where the other hates us. His supply is endless, satisfies all my needs according to his riches in glory, Ephesians says. The source of living water supplies what? Forgiveness, peace, rest, joy, strength, perseverance, and an abundant life. And if you think of your heart as a bucket, then there is a well, a source that never runs dry, is pure and clean. And when we draw from that supply, it quenches and satisfies our hearts and it brings life. John 10, 10, we've read this a lot. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But here's where I'm at today, church. Even when you know which source is right to draw from in your lives, your supply line can and will be attacked 
by the enemy. The enemy goes to work, like I said a moment ago, and even seems to be having his way at times. He works to destroy lives, and he won't sit idly by if you're living in such a way that is infringing upon his plan to devour you and the church. He doesn't just say, well, that's good. I guess I'll back off. 1 Peter 5.8 says that we should be alert and of a sober mind because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The Greek word here is katapin, and what it means is to swallow or to drown. He's looking for those that he could swallow up and or drown. This is my point. If you're a believer, your source is Jesus. Your place with God is secure. The devil cannot take that away from you. He cannot snatch you out of the Father's hands, but he does seek to weaken and damage our faith. He does seek to weaken and damage our testimony as the church. He wants fear to cause us to not trust the faithfulness of God. He wants to intimidate us into believing that God cannot accomplish what he wants to accomplish through us. He wants us to have dissension among ourselves to weaken the testimony of the church at large. So once we recognize the source of our defeats or our opposition, we need to know that we can combat it and cut it off at the source by the power and the name of Jesus. Yeah. When the enemy is at work in your life, I love what 1 John 3, 8 says. It says the reason the Son of God appeared, the reason that he showed up, the reason that he rode into Jerusalem, the reason that he went to the cross was to destroy the works of the devil. I love that word. I love that destroy. That language is powerful. Jesus didn't come to alleviate. He didn't come to stall. He didn't just come to minimize the works of the devil. He came to destroy them. I mean, I I don't know about you, but when I use that word, I'm talking about some serious, like, we're going to, we use it a lot of times in in sports. We're going to destroy you. We're not just going to beat you seven to nothing. We're going to destroy you 48 to zero or whatever it is. I don't need a little less fear. I need it destroyed and replaced with faith. I don't need a little less dysfunction in my relationships. I need a complete wholeness and health in my relationships. I need dysfunction destroyed. First John is saying Jesus' purpose in coming was to stop the cycle of sin, to free all of us from Satan's power and influence, and to remove the power of sin from our lives that wants to drown and devour us, that wants to swallow us up. And we've all been there, man, where we've had a situation like we've felt swallowed up by maybe our own bad decisions or something the enemy was doing that we just couldn't figure out. But Jesus has given us authority through the finished work of the cross and his name. And through the power of the name of Jesus, we can combat and cut off the source of opposition and walk in victory, even if it doesn't look victorious to everybody else. Which leads me to a specific encounter This is the one that I was studying in Mark 5. Jesus had this encounter with a demon-possessed man to highlight what I feel like God wants to show us this morning. Like I said, I was in this passage of Scripture about three years ago. And as I was reading through this and feeling like God wanted to use it again today in many ways, it was still a little bit different than how it was then. Matter of fact, our church is 
really different than it was in 2019. Let's look at Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Some translations said he'd been saying that. Like it, it gives this in indication that actually Jesus had said this more than once. Then Jesus asked him, well, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And let's stop right there because I want you to notice Jesus asks the demon his name. To understand why I want us to look at what's going on, this man was tormented. He was alone. He was isolated. And every human attempt to fix his problem just made it worse. Let's isolate him. We don't know what we're doing. Let's, let's put him out there on that island. Let's ostracize him. Let's chain him down outwardly. All the while making the man's torment worse because isolation is always the enemy's plan to destroy us because you can't fix inner problems with external restraints. Don't we still try to do that today? We're going to fix every internal problem with some kind of external restraint. It doesn't work for very long. Desolate places, isolated, alone, that's always where the enemy wants us. Where outward attempts or restraints to deal with our inner chaos never works. Whereas Jesus came to make us a part of a body. A community where we don't have to be isolated. Where we're never supposed to be alone. He came to lead us beside still waters. He came to heal us from the inner chaos, from the inside out. So gratefully Jesus, aren't you grateful, is willing to go to where nobody else is willing to go. He's willing to go into your life where nobody else is willing to go into your life. He meets us in our turmoil. He is with us even when we're in desolate places. He is the hope when we are hopeless. He is the help when we are helpless. So if we are broken, isolated, tormented, or defeated, no matter how you might feel today, Jesus can step into those places where nobody else can and set you free by the power of his name. You see, when Jesus asked the demon his name, I believe it was for his purposes and our benefit, which is, I'll say this as a side note, whatever Jesus does is for God's purposes and our benefit. So when he's doing something in the word of God, it's not just because, it's not just happenstance, it's not just, well, I wonder what that was for. There's a reason. And there were people watching, there were people wondering what was going on. So Jesus asked this demon his name, and there was a purpose, and there was a benefit. Legion means many. A Roman legion consisted of about 6,000 men. So this demon is identifying himself as legion. And this is this chilling kind of 
horror almost, if you will, militant reminder of how powerful this enemy was. That's what he was saying. We're legion. We're powerful. And a reminder today that our enemy is not to be taken lightly. Like we are in a spiritual battle. We're going to get into that in Ephesians 6. We're not playing around here in this life. It's a spiritual battle that we're engaged in. But here's what Jesus shows us. He wants to show us how powerful he is because even though there was an army of demons, they were already terrified of Jesus. As was evidenced by the fact that they took a posture of worship in verse 6 when it said it ran to the man and said, just begging of him, what are you here for? What are you going to do to us? Took a posture of worship. Although he hated Jesus, he still ran and fell at Jesus' feet. That's the incredible, amazing reality here. Whatever has terrified you is terrified of Jesus. Whatever has you in bondage can be bound by the name of Jesus. Whatever has you imprisoned can be imprisoned itself by the name of Jesus. So no matter how big, no matter how scary it may seem to you, that's why we call on the name of Jesus that is above every other name. Because when the demonic encounters the divine, it is no contest. Yeah, that's good news too. So when Jesus says this, he goes, what is your name? Here's what he's asking. He's literally asking, what is the nature or source of the evil that is enslaving you? Remember I said there's two sources in this life. We can either be supplied by God or we can be supplied by the enemy. And he's going to supply whatever he wants to to cause the things that cause you to be destroyed. And God's going to supply you all the things that are going to bring you life and bring it to the full. So he's saying, what's the source of this evil that is enslaving you? It's like Jesus was saying, okay, everybody hear that? He said his name was Legion. The source of this evil is big and powerful and intimidating to you, but not to me. And not to those who call on my name. And not to those who have come to me to be set free. What you are powerless to do, I am more than able to do. You see, no matter how many names your enemy has, you still only have to call on one name that is above all those names because Jesus is greater. Greater than fear, greater than doubt, greater than pride, greater than bitterness, greater than jealousy, greater than it all. His name is greater. No matter how many enemies you think have surrounded you, there are always more that are for you than are against you. Scripture says this because in Jesus' name, you have the majority. That one name is above every other name. Jesus' one name is the majority over all other names that would rise up against him. You have power and victory in his name. We have the authority to combat and cut off the source of whatever is opposing us, whatever is attacking us, whatever is hindering us, whatever is holding us back. In the name of Jesus, we have the power to combat and cut it off. Jesus himself told us this in Luke chapter 9. He said, and he called the 12 together. He's commissioning them in essence. And he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal now what I'm not saying is that there is a demon under every rock I'm not saying that I do think there's a lot of things that go on that are evil and demonic in this world that there's a lot of influences in people's lives but I'm not saying that everything out there well that's that's a demon or that's a demon and what's that and let me name that's not what I'm saying we are not demon hunters first we're followers of Jesus first 
But here's the other thing. We are also not on the defensive. We are on the offensive because we have the kingdom of God. So when the gates of hell will not prevail, we oftentimes think about that as some sort of defensive thing. No, a gate, uh, the gates of hell is trying to defend itself against the advancing kingdom of God. I'm not like this. I'm charging forward in the power in the name of Jesus. I'm so tired of us feeling and acting and saying and thinking that somehow the church is going to collapse and Jesus' name is not going to have power anymore because this happened in the world and this happened in the news and this happened in the White House. Jesus' name is above every name and the church will prevail. Okay, that wasn't in my notes. We will encounter resistance from the enemy when we live for Christ. And here's where I think we have to follow the example of Jesus in the story. This is what I'm talking about today. This is what I was thinking about three years ago, and this is what I'm still thinking about today because I know there's attacks that still will come against what God has for us and the purpose that he has for us at the church. This church, which is unique and special that God's called us to, there will be attacks forever against this because it glorifies God. So here's the deal. If you find yourself feeling and being defeated consistently, curiously, and creatively, then it's time to find out the nature and the source of what's supplying that situation. I'm encouraging you today to not be nebulous or vague about the nature or the source of what is plaguing, hindering, or hurting your life. What is its name? What is your name? Not what is their name, like that person and that person, because Ephesians says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the forces of this dark world. So I'm not saying, well, what is his name or what is her name? No, what's underneath that? That's really the battle. What is behind or underneath this? And we'll say things like, yeah, pray for me. Pray for me, pastor. I've had a rough week. Yeah, you have. But it's because fear and anxiety has been kicking your butt. And it's time to name the source of that rough week and take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Do not be anxious, but in everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving in your heart, present your request to God and let the peace of God transcend your understanding and give you some sort of peace and victory and power today. Yeah, go ahead and name it. You had a rough week. Why? Here's the source of that rough week. Combat it and cut it off at the source in Jesus' name through prayer, through worship, through meditating on the word, through the encouragement, as we heard this morning at our rally, from other people in the body of Christ, encouraging you on while it's still called today. You can do this by the grace of God. Well, it's been a bad day, Pastor. Would you pray for me? Why? I mean, why has it been a bad day for like the last 31 days in a row? Because jealousy and bitterness have been supplying your heart and your mind and you need to call on the name of Jesus and tell jealousy and bitterness to leave you alone and cut off the source of the defeat and walk in the victory that Christ died for you to walk in. But here's where we don't stop. As we said all through our talk in Ephesians, it's not just about putting off something, we also put on something. It's not just about cutting off the supply, the source for our supply line, it's actually going to the right source for our supply line. Meaning we have to go to the source that will allow us to love and forgive 
like Jesus forgave you and watch victory replace defeat. How about this one? Just pray for my relationships to be better. Well, how? Why? Just identify the dissension that's been stirring up all kinds of relational turmoil and you're not going to have it anymore in the name of Jesus and you begin to speak peace and unity over your relationships while doing what you need to do to make those relationships right. You don't just pray. Oh, Lord, I hope you make this work out. Well, okay, I'm going to give you the peace and the strength and the boldness to go actually have a conversation that you need to have, and then we're going to work it out. Oh, uh, I was just hoping that it just would work out. (laughs) Me too. I'm there. (laughs) Consider, combat, and cut off the source of your chaos in the name of Jesus, but be specific. Specific attacks call for a specific response. Jesus' specific response was to identify the source of this man's torment by name and then set him free by the power of his greater name, Jesus. Our specific response is the same today, to call on the name of Jesus and specifically call out that which is coming against us and God's purposes for our lives and his church so that we can cut it off at its evil source and be saved. Not just saved unto salvation, but be saved in every way from this situation. See, that's sometimes we think, well, I've, just, I've been saved, saved unto salvation. Yeah, but guess what? You're going to need to be saved from every situation from this point forward, I promise you. Acts 4.12 says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other what? Name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. As I said a moment ago, I called on Jesus for salvation, but I soon realized in my life as I grew older that I was going to have to keep calling out to him for salvation forever. And when we call on Jesus' name, it's not just the speaking of his name like some little magic word like abracadabra. It is the declaration and the acknowledgement that Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords, has authority over all, including my life, and I'm submitting it to him. Can't just say, oh, in Jesus' name, like we do at the end of every prayer. Lord, bless this food in Jesus' name. He ain't blessing that. You just got a Big Mac and a large fry. I mean, and I'm, de- I'm desperately asking him to. It's okay, keep on doing it, but no, we apply his name to things that will glorify him will bring about his purposes and will be for our good for the advancement of the kingdom of God and the destruction of the kingdom of darkness. Spiritually speaking, apart from Christ, all of our stories start this way, just like this man on this island. We were all separated from God and other people. Amen? We had no home. We were isolated, alone. We were caught up in dehumanizing shame, and misery marked our lives apart from Christ. Then Jesus steps into our mess and makes us his own, setting us free, giving us community, giving us a new family, giving us a new name, giving us a home in Christ, covering our shame and our nakedness. And this is exactly what we see in verse 15. If you skip ahead, and it says, They came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. 
Some translations say they were terrified. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, what? What are you afraid of? This guy that y'all put out here that you couldn't figure out what was going on has been set free and he's back to normal and he's healed and he's sitting there in his right mind and, he's, and y'all are terrified. Inexplicably, people are more often afraid of being set free by what they can't control than by being in bondage to what they think they can control. Let Jesus take control of your life. It's liberating. And I know I've been there. I thought, oh, man, if I, do, if, if I confess this and, and if I do this and if I surrender this, then I'm going you know, to have to go do this for Jesus. That's how I think and whatever that is. Well, I'm, God's going to call me to do this. And I, and I don't know. I'd just rather be in bondage to this thing. I think that's easier because I think I can control it. What kind of jacked up thinking is that? And yet, I think we've all been there at some point in time. We're afraid of what God's going to do with our life over and above what we're doing to our life currently. But this is a picture of salvation and discipleship that we see in this man. A restored individual sitting at the feet of Jesus, no longer naked, no longer ashamed, but clothed with dignity. And if Jesus can step into this mess and make something beautiful of it, if he could turn a demoniac into a disciple, then don't you think he can step into your mess and make something out of your life too? Don't you think he could step into your life and that he could deliver you from whatever is opposing you today? Don't you think that he could help move and remove the hindrances that are keeping you from the purpose that God has for you? I'm telling you, he can. He can. He's more than able. And he will. We just have to keep calling on his name and continue to walk in the victory that he died and rose for. He already has saved many of your lives. Many of you in this room have already given your life to Jesus Christ. He is your Savior and Lord. It's just that the enemy is attacking your supply line and trying to cut off your life source. Listen to me, church. Fight back and defeat the lies with the truth. Fight back and defeat the enemy with the supply that God has given you through his word, through his church, through worship, through prayer, through community, through encouragement, through every other way. The enemy is at work and always will be at work until Jesus returns. But Jesus came to destroy those works and he's given us the authority as his disciples to find out the name, to find out the source of what is trying to defeat us and take authority over it because he already defeated the devil on the cross. We're fighting a defeated foe, church. We just have to walk in the victory that Jesus died and paid for on the cross. I'll close with this. Our freedom was never meant to be just so that we could be free. I think a lot of times that's where we're at. It's like, well, man, I just thank God for setting me free. And that's, we leave it at that. It's so we could desire to follow Jesus more closely. It's so that we could be with him more Intimately. It's so that that separation that once kept us from him, that is now removed, now that we could be with him, intimate with him, spending time with him, loving him, and then testify of what God did for us while we do that. Look at verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Man, I don't know, just 
think about that for a minute. It's like this guy had been out there tormented, not sure how long, alone, all that stuff. And Jesus sets him free and gives him dignity. Don't you know? He's like, wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you're going, I'm following. Whatever you got, I want it. Because this is the appropriate response of somebody who's been delivered and set free by Jesus to want to draw near to Jesus and to follow him the rest of their lives. Is that how we are? Verse 19, he did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And now he has had mercy on you. I thought this was interesting too. Friends? You mean the people that put me out here in the first place? The people that put me out here in the tombs? And yet when Jesus calls us, he doesn't just call us to set us free. He calls us for a purpose and he calls us to a people. Jesus takes us from islands of isolation to community and restoration. No, go back. I want to restore those relationships. No, go back. I, I know it's going to be hard, but in my name, I want you to bring freedom to some of those people who are it's just as imprisoned as you were. From islands in isolation to community and restoration, that's the power of Jesus' name. And then it says in verse 20, and he went away and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. I love that too, man. When Jesus does what Jesus does, people are in awe. They marvel at what he did in your life what he's doing in that person's life. We're called to be living witnesses to the power of the name of Jesus, to liberate those who are still living in desolate, lonely places. Hey, weren't you the guy that lived out there in the tombs? Yeah. Hey, weren't you the guy that had that addiction? Yeah. Hey, weren't you that girl that fill in the blank? Weren't you that lady? Weren't you that man? Weren't you that kid? I was. Man, if this guy, if this lady, if this man can be set free, if they can be redeemed, then so can I. That's the marvel. Make no mistake about it, though. The enemy wants you back. He wants you back on the island, back in isolation, back in the tombs, back in despair, back to being ineffective, back to being tormented. That's what he's at work trying to do. If he can't destroy you, then he will want to render you powerless. But... The name of Jesus that saved you is the name of Jesus that continues to save you. So we can fight back by the power of that name. What is the name calling you back to the tombs maybe of your past? What's the name of the enemy that's trying to rob and steal from you today? What's the source of the isolation, the despair, the difficulty, the misery that you could be dealing with right now this morning? And that's why God brought you here. Name it. Take authority over it. Surrender it to Jesus and cut off the supply and walk in the victory that he died for you to have. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and blessed is he who calls on the name of the Lord. Philippians 2, 9 and 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is my hope for us as we would walk in the power of the name of Jesus. 
that as we move towards Good Friday and this Easter Sunday, that we would be those that are not afraid to go back into certain places and tell others of what Christ has done and invite them into the family. Maybe invite them into this family this next coming weekend. Let's do that by the power of Jesus' name because he set us free so that we could set others free by his name. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.